Hey, my name is Matt Brown. We're gonna fly to school each morning. We're gonna smile the entire time. We're gonna make podcast history. We're gonna finally be fine. We're gonna get more calm and normal. We're gonna fix our state of mind. The show. And have productive conversations. We're gonna have more fun and be less weird than the first two years combined. And we're gonna live forever. We're gonna podcast together. And we're gonna finally be sunny and shiny. The world is a better place because you have joined us here today. Welcome to the Productive Conversations Podcast. My name is Matt Brown, and I'm the host of this show. What's going on, everybody? I hope everybody is going to be having the best February 18th possible today in 2021. I'm feeling good because you are with us here today, the greatest listeners in the world of the Productive Conversations Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to the Productive Conversations podcast. We are on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. And don't forget to leave a review. Any constructive criticism is necessary and appreciated. Just some reminders, the Productive Conversations podcast site is up and raring to go. A few days old, and we are rolling with some great exclusive content with the Productive Conversations podcast. But yes, if you want to check out exclusive content of the Productive Conversations podcast, go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com and see all our podcasts, all our videos, all our good vibes. And you can also check out my blogs I've written. You can look at my resume, you hiring managers out there. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But yeah, the Productive Conversations podcast is here, raring to go, and it now has a website to showcase the great content of this podcast and the amazing guests we have. Also, follow us on our various social media platforms. To follow us on Instagram, go to at Productive Conversations Podcast. For our Twitter, go to at Prod Convo Pod. And for our TikTok, we are at Productive Conversations. Again, Instagram at Productive Conversations Podcast. Our Twitter is at Prod Convo Pod. And our TikTok is at Productive Conversations. Oh, yes. And also follow me on Instagram at MattBrown300. Follow me on Twitter at MattBrown31. And don't forget to check out our merchandise store. Thanks to our friends at Zazzle to get exclusive merchandise on the Productive Conversations podcast. Whether it's the awesome hats, our comfortable sweaters, our stylish t-shirts, our awesome hoodies, great bags, amazing office supplies. We have everything you can think of to enhance your life. And you could go to the Productive Conversations podcast merchandise store through Zazzle.com. Either in the episode description below, there's the link, or go to Productive Conversations podcast slash merchandise. And we'll be able to fulfill your needs of all merchandise from the Productive Conversations podcast. We got a lot of great things going on today. First, the New York Knicks. My beloved New York Knicks, who people made fun of me on this podcast in real life and beyond, just for being a New York Knicks fan. Yet, 
guess what? At this moment, they are a game under 500, and they are in the sixth seed in the Eastern Conference. So if there was playoffs tomorrow, Knicks would finally be a playoff team, first time in eight seasons. This team is just so much fun to watch, everyone. You know, this time last year, in the first 30 games, or I should say first 29 games, last year the Knicks were 7-22. and 22. This year, 14-15, and 15, and are in the middle of a playoff run. With you have emerging stars such as Emmanuel Quickly, my favorite Nick in a long time. I mean, seriously, guys, I love Quick so much. I actually tweeted out to the NBA store if they had a Emmanuel Quickly jersey. Then I had their customer service reach out to me and pretty much explain they don't. And they just sent me to Fanatics and I can create the jersey. And I think I really will soon. So that's what I like in our rookie point guard. Late first round pick from Kentucky. He scores. He's so he's literally quick, so agile. And I think he's a legit leader. And who could I should say I think he can legit be a leader one day. RJ Barrett, the third overall pick last season, now coming into his own, scoring all he would he's even becoming a better scorer, a little better defender. And yo, we might have something here quick in RJ. And then Julius Randle, everybody. Julius freaking Randle. We in this summer where we thought we're gonna get a big name, a big signing, KD, Kyrie, who's coming here? They don't. They go to Brooklyn. We picked up Julius Randle. People thought may have been past his prime already playing for the Knicks and the Pelicans, but now he's playing like an all-star. He is the leader of our team. And Julius Randle, baby. Julius Randle, I mean, last night scoring 42 points. I, You know, getting solid boards, passing the ball to Julius Randle is the guy. So... We also have people like Nerlens Noel being getting picked up playing solid defense. Uh, Obi Toppin, maybe we got something here in our first round pick this season. I mean, shouts to our guys like Alec Burks as well. You know, Mitch Robinson is hurt, so hopefully he could come back in four to six weeks and we get a solid big man again. Uh, Reggie Bullock, man, what a great shot, number 25 on the Knicks. Oh, guys, 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 the Knicks! Knicks are legit! Finally, they're legit again. And all you Nick fans coming back, or I should say you fake Nick fans joining us, of course we'll welcome you in open arms. But for all those team play those guys who fell back, went the other way on our team, and said, see ya, Ryan Page for one, uh, and other people, Sam Anchari, even though you I officially welcome you back to Nick's fandom. You know, if I'm the guy to be the the face of the Knicks nation, it should really go to Spike and Deezus and Miro. But I'll let anybody back into our squad if you're so interested. As fans are starting to come back to sporting events in the beautiful state of New York, which includes the Nick games next week. Oh, man. The Garden's going to be popping. The New York Knicks are here to play. I think we can win. Keep winning being solid. Hopefully we don't trade away these solid core. Shouts to Coach Thibs, a.k.a. Tom Thibodeau for being a powerful force, leading us to the promised land. Leon Rose and Scott Perry, you guys leading the front office to get these solid core. 
together and bringing in Derrick Rose, who seems to be a great influence on our guards. The New York Knicks may finally be turning the page, and I'm not that typical Knicks fan who where we have a good two weeks and we think that we're going to win the NBA Finals. Maybe there was a time where that happened in the KP days or the Derek Lee days and shit like that. But no, you could actually see a culture being, you could actually see a culture evolving with this Knicks team. Young players, few solid veterans leading us. And you know what? We might have something legit. We might one day attract that one major free agent piece in the summer, in this upcoming summer or the summer after, we might get again. We might be winning the draft lottery more. There's a solid winning culture for the Knicks. That's why this shit matters. That's why this is a good thing. The Knicks are starting to turn the page. Even across East River, we see the Brooklyn Nets on their way to an NBA Finals appearance. I don't know if they'll win. The Lakers are pretty legit, but they are on their way to winning the East. Just wait. The Knicks are coming. The Knicks are here to compete. The Knicks are making this place rock, known as the National Basketball Association. The Knicks are finally on their way to some good seasons. It's been a long time coming. We've been starving for it, especially in the quarantine-stricken COVID times, in the intense winter we've been having through snow, sleet, and, you know, disease. The New York Knicks have been that amazing distraction. We could actually look forward to these games. People are not going to go to the Garden thinking they're getting a win and pushing us around. No! The Knicks are here to finally say, fuck that. We are going to start winning a culture. A championship season could be coming. Now, I know it probably isn't this season and probably not even next season, but as long as we continue to play well, we continue to establish this culture... We will be one of the best teams in the East. We will be one of the best teams in the NBA. So with that, as a proud Knicks fan, let's go Knicks. Knicks Nation is out here. We're ready to win, and we are ready to prevail. Let's go Knicks. Transitioning into that, we have a guest that will for sure make you laugh, smile, and have fun. Marcos Lopez is on the Productive Conversations podcast today. Man, we're going to talk to this winosaur, talk about the wine business, him bartending, the various places he has gone as a low-key bohemian. Los Angeles, New York City. He's lived in Spain. We're going to get into that. We're talking about hoops, his love for rock music, hitchhiking to go to Bonnaroo for a weekend, and that life-changing experience that was. He's a Nets fan, so we talk about basketball. Marcos is one interesting fella, and I know every single person listening will get a kick out of him and enjoy the time. So with that, Marcos Lopez, it's your turn. Let's get to it. We are in a lucky position. And why is that? It's because my great friend, the talented, the musician, Though, I guess the wine is sore, uh, but all in all, expert in a lot of great things and most importantly, good vibes. But Marcos Lopez is on the Productive Conversations podcast. Thank you so much for joining me, Marcos. What's going on? It's a pleasure to be here. Of 
course, it's a pleasure to be anywhere, really. So. <laughs> Tell me about it, man. Tell me about it. What's up, brother? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, man. A uh, bit of a busy day at work, but I'm doing good. I'm good to be here. Um, yeah. All right. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> you know, Marcus, you have a really interesting job. Why don't we start off with that? Um, do you mind explaining? You are involved in the wine business at this moment, correct? Right, right. Uh, yeah, I guess my job is kind of interesting. It's interesting to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I work for a company called Olay and Obrigado, and uh, our company imports uh, Spanish and Portuguese wines, but within the tri-state area, we also self-distribute these wines. So um, I previously worked for them five years ago for a temporary stint, which was awesome. And... Um, Starting June, somebody left because of COVID, and I was always in touch with the people there. Um, I know the owner, and I have a great relationship with him, and I said, hey, I can take his job, because he left. So I filled in, and then I started doing sales. So I do logistics, and I also do sales. So lately, I try to sell wine part-time to retailers, mostly, and some restaurants. So... It's been cool. It's, um, it's, I'm still adapting, but it's awesome. And um, sometimes, I'm not going to lie, sometimes I'm like, what am I doing? But um, I constantly have to remind myself that I'm very lucky to be in this industry because it uh, combines a lot of interesting things like history, culinary, culture, science, even though I don't really like science, um, <laughs> and just business. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of cool. Cheers. Excellent to that. Oh, man. So, well, I think it's pretty cool. You help so many people out who need their wine and drink it responsibly, of course. And, you know, may I just ask some practical wine questions that really interest me? Like, what to you? I'll try to help. So, there's red wine and white wine and white wine, white wine. Is there any other wines that I'm missing here? That's the general, that's the two squads that break up. Well, obviously, there's also rosé. Okay, Uh, rosé. I mean... Cups of the rosé, as Drake... I like to say that rosé kind of starts out as a red wine, but then ends up being a white wine. Uh, But I'll get into that later, if you like. (laughs) Um, there's orange wine, which hipsters love. Really? <laughs> there's an orange wine? Yeah, it's not made of oranges. Um, it's just <laughs> a, a skin contact white wine. So it's kind of like a white wine that's made with white wine grapes, but it's kind of made like a red wine. Um, it's kind of bitter. It's funky. It tastes very strange. Uh, I enjoy them, but that's a really a Brooklyn thing. Yeah. Very much Bushwick, Williamsburg, maybe Silver Lake, Los Angeles kind of thing, you know. Uh, or is, I've never heard of such a thing. I I might go and search for it this weekend simply because you brought it up and give a review for it. You should do it, man. But yeah, there's also sparkling wine, the sherries. Okay, so there is a uh, wide variety. What to you, Marcos, is your personal favorite wine? Um, it's always changing. A lot of people have a favorite. I don't really have a favorite. Um, 
I guess um, I like a lot of Burgundian style wines, mm. a lot of like uh, lighter reds, um, or even interesting heavy whites. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, just as long as it's interesting, just as long as it's complex. Uh, plus, one thing you'll probably understand or the viewers will get from this interview is that uh, I'm kind of indecisive and <laughs> I kind of my mind just kind of goes all over the place and I'm always willing to try anything. And um, yeah, so I don't I don't make up my mind on on a set favorite. It's always it's always evolving. Well, we appreciate your great mind, Marcos, and excited to explore it during this podcast and more. But um, just two other things regarding wine. One, which one are you supposed to refrigerate? There's one you're supposed to refrigerate and one you're supposed to not. Uh, typically, you uh, you chill whites, rosés, sparkling wines. But there are some reds, like very light reds, that you can chill for a bit. Okay, by the way, I say chill. I, uh, I, I yeah, they're carbonically macerated. Don't ask me what that means because I'm not a scientist and <laughs> I won't be able to give you a good explanation. But um, a lot of those wines you can chill. A lot of light wines, a lot of shit like that, you know? Cool, cool. And last but not least, is it true, Marcos, that wine ages better than anything else, or I should. Well, uh, is it true that wine gets better with age? Uh, yes and no, but I'd say mostly no. There's a lot of wine that you should drink now. Uh, it's good to ask your wine retailer because they should know. Uh, rosés, for example, should not be aged. You need to drink those stats. Um, after a year or two, you'll notice that they just become shittier. Uh, most of them. There are some ageable whites. A lot of them you shouldn't age. And reds generally are more likely to be aged, but not always. Uh, so it really depends, really. Really? Well, how about that? I love debunking myths with my great friend Marcos Lopez. I mean, that's pretty cool, actually. <laughs> so, real quick. Yes. Let me just say, because a lot of people don't know this, and even though it's like just the difference between red and white wine, red wine gets aged with the skins, whereas white wine, you get the grapes, they're juiced, and then the juice is aged without the skins. So the color that you see in the red wine and all those tannins, that's all from the skins being always involved. And with mm. rosé, it's aged with the skins for two days, then it's juiced, and then you then they then they make the wine with just the juice. Oh, okay, really? Yeah. I didn't know this. It's Why don't we try it out when the pandemic's over too? Yeah, yeah, we can try to make wine with with uh, with your fam. We'll even <laughs> dump the grapes so they're bare feet. So they do. They literally do do it bare feet, huh? Not always. In I, the big barrel. Not always, but that's that's not a question for me. <laughs> I hear that. Just another thing out, uh, related to wine and sure, stuff. Tarantino would be into feet wine, but I. I, I don't <laughs> we would get a lot of zooms of that. Rex a lot Ryan. of close-ups. <laughs> Rex Ryan. Oh man, Marcos, you know how to bartend in this world. You've ex- had experience with it. Um. I don't. Are you bartending at all right at this moment? Uh, I am bartending. So you are still bartending. Cool, cool. Yes, once a week on Tuesday nights. 
I'm at Cellar Bar in Larchmont, New York, named uh, Westchester County's Best Dive Bar by Westchester Magazine a few years. It's uh, really a hole in the wall, like a lot of dive bars, but it's very friendly. And it's the only, one of the few places where everyone kind of fits in. Like a total stranger can sit down, nobody looks around, nobody thinks twice, it's fine. And like people make conversations, there's old people there. There's uh, recent college graduates. There's au pairs from Spain and France and Brazil. And uh, they're fun, but they don't tip uh, <laughs> foreigners and they don't get it. Nobody's explained to them. Um, yeah, there's rich people. There's uh, bankers, there's lawyers. And then there's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of steel workers too which steel workers make a good amount of money, but it's just a much different line. That's what I'm getting right. at. So it's an interesting spot. Uh, I'm only there once a week. It's uh, something I do on the side, something that actually helps me out in my regular job because I network a lot um, and I meet a lot of people. I've actually gotten a lot of accounts through my bartending job. But yeah, I used to bartend full-time at a wine bar and that was a lot different than the dive bar because there's just a much different clientele uh wine cocktails now the place i'm at is just a lot more back to basics which is a lot easier for me just mostly jameson shots <laughs> and bud lights oh easy well we we definitely appreciate you one of my big models in this world from my cousin tony's always tip the bartender i'm familiar with large i used to work at large it's about 40 minutes from me I worked, geez it was the compass i don't know what road it was but it was a popular one and it was so relaxing like right on the Mimarinic, uh line, there was this pizza place that was really good there. Wow, I'm. I, let, let me just Google it if you don't mind, really quick. It was. Uh, I worked there every weekend for like a year, from like twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. Uh, mm-hmm. It was on Larchmont Avenue. Avenue, uh, the pizza place or, or the or the road? Or where I worked, yeah, the where I worked was there. But uh, okay, it was the pizza place. Was it Mickey's or Villa Maria? Villa Maria sounds so familiar. It was definitely that. Wait, no, that's on Chatsworth Avenue. Where is it? Um, there was a was it was across the street from Tequila Sunrise. You, if that's a. I remember what a, a what a stereotypical name. Tequila Sunrise. Yeah, I'm friends with the owner of that place. Our fam, my family is. What? Oh, I should have yeah. went in and give us a visit. Okay, I'm actually. You know, it's funny. I'm doing the Google like Google map real quick, and I'm driving myself. You know how you can press the the uh, thing and it goes, and um, like you're directing like GTA style yeah. driving. I'm just, I'm just about there. It's across the street from a CVS. Yes, Chatsworth Avenue is the place. And um, the, the place is right next to the Larchmont Mini Mart. Holy. The pizza place? Yeah. It's not it, worth talking about. It's called Villa Maria. It's okay. Yeah, Villa Maria. I even think they might have an MB review. I really it's think okay. so. Uh, if you want to go... To get pizza anywhere in my area, I would recommend Village Pizza in Mimarek or Sal's Pizzeria, which El Prez uh, reviewed at 7.7. <laughs> yeah. He said, uh, if, you, if you look up pizza in the dictionary, you get Sal's. 
<laughs> that is a uh, great name for a pizza spot. But anyways, the bartending though. Yes. Marco. What was one of the cool, you said that, so you mentioned already that one of the cool things about bartending, not only serving drinks, you know, helping people out in, in uh, who, who need a drink and, uh, you know, maybe make somebody's day. You said you've really, uh, you've told me before that you, it's really helped you socially. I mean, you were, you were talking about the clientele, you hit upon it a little bit. You want to walk me through some of the other cool uh, networking skills and just general uh, communication skills you got from being a bartender? Oh, absolutely. Well, you meet so many people. Uh, first of all, it's a fucking great job because you're basically getting paid to hang out. Yes, I do have a skill set that not everybody has, and that's part of the job. Uh, absolutely. That's why not everybody can do it. But essentially, with the exception of some busy nights where you're hauling ass, you're essentially getting paid to hang out and talk to people. And there's, it's such a great feeling, especially when you walk out with a handful of untaxed cash. Oh, uh, yes. Which anyway, uh, everybody's going to get their W-2 soon. Uh, let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's forget I said that. Um, but yeah. Um, yes. that. Maybe that, that talk about how I started bartending, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. How, how did you get into it? What made you decide to become a bartender? And did you like, well, go to a mixology school or anything like that? Well, I, I took a course just for like random education, but um, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't become a bartender until years later. Uh, I took a course when I was 20 years old and which is over 10 years ago now. Um, so anyway, I worked at a hotel in Spain and I was a receptionist, but occasionally for room service, they would order alcohol and I would make, I would go to the bar because we didn't have a full time bar. It was just like a little area where we had drinks and I would pour the drinks or make cocktails like a gin and tonic or a brandy and I would just deliver it to them room service this was back in 2014 Mm. Um, but that wasn't really bartending it was just like part of my job uh, that was very much improvised Uh, a lot of great stories for that Uh, actually no just one or two really good stories from that but anyway what happened um, we can side check really side chat side track really quick oh well i met this welsh couple on my second last day i gave them like you know i should have given them like brandies like that and a snifter i gave them like that (laughs) and we're really happy and then they invited me back to their place and we just like partied all night there's Uh, the two you you two and you yeah yeah it was well one of my friends too it was a big, ho- it was the biggest suite in the hotel. Then we went out and you know, we just had a crazy night that I won't get into. I wouldn't want it. <laughs> anyway, fast forward to 2018. Um, I lived in LA and I came back from LA with no job, no money. And I was hanging out at the cellar bar where I work uh, now. Cause that's always been like my hometown's dive bar. And I was with a friend. And I was like, shit, man, like I had just come back from L.A., burned a bunch of money, didn't have a job. And they're like, well, they're hiring. Oh, I was with a really good friend of mine, Nicholas, Nick. Um, and he was like, well, actually, they're looking for a bartender. And I was like, yo, I could do that. And I knew some of the guys there. And they're like, yeah, we'll totally vouch for you. So I started bartending there a little bit. And then I ended up bartending for um, another former, another former employer of mine was a wine retailer and was opening up a wine bar and wine and cocktail bar. So yeah. So that's when I really got into it. Um, and that was my full-time job for like two years. Um, yeah. 
which is kind of weird, but yeah. Well, you're making us proud for sure, Marcos. That's, that's really fascinating. That's really oh, fascinating. Oh, you asked about uh, networking and, and, and uh, how it helps your social life and whatnot. Yes, yes, and please get into, into that. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have to deal with so many kinds of people uh, where quickly your social skills were developed, even if you already have good social skills. Uh, you deal with difficult people, you deal with cool people. Um, but all in all, it's an awesome job because generally uh, people have to be nice to you because they're getting your drinks from their drinks from you. Uh, the dudes have to be nice to you and you also get hit on by girls a lot. So that's pretty awesome. How about uh, that? I definitely flirt with a lot of ladies on the job. However, <laughs> when I did work at the wine and cocktail bar, it wasn't always like that. Um, I got a lot of what I call uh, Pinot Grigio bitches, which is like older white ladies who think that they're fancy, but they don't really have a good palate, so they just end up having Pinot Grigio, and they ask for two ice cubes in it. Um, a lot of difficult people. I'm so rich. <laughs> yeah, also our bar... We refused to work with uh, Southern or Empire, uh, which are the two biggest distributors. So we didn't have big brand liquors. And this really confused a lot of fucking people, man. <laughs> we did not have Tito's. We did not have Jack Daniels. We did not have Jameson. We did not have Old Bond. We did not have Hendrix. We did not have Tanqueray. We had only small brands because that's the way my boss would run his store. Because it was a boutique store. And if you're running a store, that's awesome because that's a really cool fucking store then. But at a bar, people get fucking confused they do not understand and having to explain this to things to people <laughs> they just they look at you like you're speaking a different language like and then they look at their friends they're like karen oh my god they don't have tears <laughs> or the, the big dude like the big rich aggressive dude who's like oh i need an open i want a mccallum 12 you want a mccallum 12 how am I supposed to show my friends that I got a big dick even though it's just doing this? <laughs> so yeah, that was a little bit more difficult. I can relax now and you know, I just talk to people. I'm basically a therapist and um, I just wow. Jameson's now. It's pretty cool. You real you real you like Mo from from uh from Simpsons. Do you, you really do have people who come and like tell you like you know so many people's stories and what they're going through and you know you you uh yes do more than uh, just a be like that. I'd like to think I'm more charming and handsome than Mo. But, <laughs> I think so, Marcos. I think so. I hope so. <laughs> Marcos. One of the things you mentioned, you lived in Spain. Why don't we get into that? So when did you live in Spain? Um, and what's it like? And wh- when and where did you live in Spain? And tell me, what is it like to live in a whole other country such as Spain versus living here in the United States? Um, so I lived in Spain in 2014. Uh, I got there in 20, February of 2014, um, not too long after I graduated college. Now that is a journey. Uh, it was a journey, and it was fucking strange. And it was, um, yeah. So my folks are from northern Spain. Uh, because of my job, I have a map right here. I just happen to have it. So my folks are from northern Spain, mostly here in Galicia. Oh. And my mom's from like around the Basque country, around here. Anyway, I ended up moving to Seville 
in southern Spain. Uh, and as a kid, we'd always fly into Madrid, then drive up to Galicia, visit my father's family and my grandparents, and go visit my mother's mother, my grandmother, over here in Santander. And then we'd go over to Valencia sometimes, where we had an apartment, and we'd go to the beach. I only stuck around here. I didn't really go to Andalusia, which is the southern part of Spain. And it's basically like an entire different fucking country, man. Really? Um, the culture's different, climate's different, and uh, the people and society is much different. So even though I've been to Spain so many times, it was uh, very much a culture shock for me. Yeah. What was like? What was the biggest thing you had to adjust as as a culture shock? What was the most major thing that you uh, had to get used to? Um, the fact that I was not accepted as a Spaniard. I was considered a foreigner. Yeah. Even though I always felt Spanish, and that was always part of my identity. I always thought I was Spanish. When I got to Seville. Uh, people did not treat me that way one bit. And I was like kind of a scapegoat in the hotel I worked at. Mm. Uh, the receptionists, my fellow receptionists, they were cool because they they've studied. They've all gone to different countries. They all spoke different languages. But man, did the waiters and the chefs, uh, some of the housekeepers, they really fucking laid into me, man. Um I was their scapegoat. I was like the foreign young kid who didn't know what he was doing, who just happened to get a temporary job there. And they really fucking dug into me. Oh, man. So you really had to earn your place. You had to gain respect, huh? I don't think I ever really got a place there, to be honest. Mm. <laughs> I never... Yeah, that was a shitty job. I was overworked. Um, very overworked. And, but it was a great learning experience, I guess. I, I went to a city where I didn't really know anybody. I knew one person and uh, she happened to work uh, at my mother's office for a little bit. Mm. She was a little bit older than me. She showed me around and then she left uh, to go back to New York to have another job. So I was pretty much alone, man. And man. It, was, uh, it was strange. I wasn't as self-aware as, as I was now. I wasn't as confident. And I was still holding on to a lot of shit in my past at that moment, even a recent like heartbreak or uh, a one who got away situation. Mm -hmm. So it was um, it was a heavy and weird kind of experience, but it was cool. I got to travel all over Spain. I took uh, whenever I had like a weekend off, I would um, I'd go to different cities all over southern Spain. I went to Morocco uh, for a weekend and yeah, it was cool. I met a lot of interesting people, but like a lot of things in my past and a lot of things in other people's past, if I was a little more self-aware and confident, it would have been a much different time, but we have to have those experiences in order to become who we are now. Yeah. Marcos preach about that. I feel that way, especially over the past few years myself and yeah, it's it's so weird. I don't want to say like those type of things in life, the quote unquote regret. 
I mean, we're human. We low-key have things where we regret. But you just wonder, could you be in your real confident place you are now if you didn't go through that? I think about that all the time. Yeah. No doubt, no doubt. Those are real things that I think everybody goes through. Yeah, man. Some more than others. But hey, it makes us better people. It makes us more lovable, especially when you're the great Marcos Lopez or me, the great Matt Brown. It's worth going through these times and remember that. You know, there's something worth learning every time. Hundo Pete. And just my last uh, Spain question. I've heard this for a long time. Is it true they really do party hard in Fred in um Spain? Like, don't go, don't you don't start pre gaming till midnight. You don't go out till two a.m. Like four a.m. That's that's early. Is this true? That's what I hear that. Um, uh, 100%, 100%. In Spain, it's normal to have dinner at 10 p.m. Um, it really is, even old people. My grandma goes to bed at midnight, just normal. Um, yeah, and if you're going out, I guess you start going out at midnight. Um, midnight. <laughs> And I don't think you go to the discotheque. You don't go to the club until like two or three in the morning. Like, yeah. And it is in real time there. Two or three, two in the morning in Spain. Yes. Oh. Not our time, their time. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's very common that you get home at seven or eight in the morning. That's normal. It's not very practical because everybody has to work. And I'm glad things aren't like that now here because you kind of waste a Sunday. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's I in the morning, like, what did you do all Sunday? You didn't do shit. You woke up at like three. <laughs> over. Your day's about to be over. Yeah, the sunlight's coming down depending what time of the year. I, I hate even going out, you know, pre this pandemic and I assume definitely post. I hate going out so late to see the sunrise. Like, I am angry if I see the sunrise. If I'm up, if I'm up all night. I mean, I'll wake up early and check it out. But, like, if I'm up all night and I see the sunrise and the cityscape, I'm going to say, oh, fuck me. You feel that way? <laughs> if that happens, either you need to have gotten laid, <laughs> you need to have, like, met, like, somebody famous or something crazy had to have happened, or you just need to be with really good friends and it was just all worth it. And it's just right. like one of those memories that you'll never forget. But how often, well, <laughs> um, in general, if those things don't happen, then no, I would not want to be up at sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, though. As long as this is one of those. If there's sex involved, then I guess I'll, I'll watch the sunrise fine. <laughs> You know what? I will agree with you with that. If one of those three things happen, whether you get laid, whether you uh, are just hanging out with somebody rare that's a famous celebrity, or you're just with your buddies or your squad or friends, then you're right. That's one of the few times it's worth it. But if it's just like one of those nights where you're just, uh, I don't know, just being unproductive while late that night, late that night, you uh, you miss out. But you know, usually one of those three things will happen. Uh, I could say, but uh, that's just, uh, boy, when we have those days again, whenever that's going to be, right? (laughs) 
Yes, it has to be a productive night out, like productive conversations with Matt Brown. Productive litness. That is, I'm totally coining that. One of the things you mentioned, Marcos, is you lived in Los Angeles, California. You know what it's like to live in both L.A. and New York City for a substantial amount of time. Tell me about, first, before we get into L.A., tell me about what the major difference is between living in the West, living in the East, living in the biggest city, living in the second biggest city in America. What's it like to live in these two meccas? Well, I grew up right outside of New York, so I'm very used to it. And to be honest, I'm, New York impresses me less and less each day, to be completely honest. Yeah. Um, the biggest difference between New York City and Los Angeles, uh, and it's huge difference, it's a big difference between most cities in Los Angeles, is that New York City, everything's kind of, um, you can get places, even though it's a very big place, as long as you have 275, you can get to anywhere in the city. You really can, yeah. You take that metro, you take the subway, it might take 50 minutes, but you can go anywhere. Uh, there's also a central place where it, everyone can go. Whether they're from the Bronx, Queens, or Brooklyn, or Harlem, or the Battery, you can meet in Manhattan. And it's not a problem. You can meet in Union Square, in East Village, in Midtown. In Los Angeles, there's no central place. And there's no good public transportation. And it's so much bigger than New York City. It's sprawling. It's an entire county. It's like a suburban, urban county. Yeah. If you um, really think about it, the boroughs are just mini cities in their own. If you really think yeah. about it. Yes, but in Los Angeles, like even the even within the five boroughs of New York City, that's small compared to LA. Because New York City is built upwards. We have so many skyscrapers. Los Angeles, not so much. It's just spread out. It's yeah. so spread out. And there's no central place like a Manhattan, where pretty much um, most cities have like a downtown area. You're like in there or you're in the outer part of the city. Like in New York, it would be anything between what? Like... Uh, 60th Street and uh, Soho. That's not the biggest amount. It's a big amount of space, but it's like that's the middle of Manhattan, yep. almost towards downtown. And yeah, it's it's easy to get to. Uh, you can even hop in a cab. You can get from 60th to Soho or to Houston Street and or Union Square in no time. Los Angeles doesn't really have that. Like there's Hollywood. There's Santa Monica, there's downtown, but the downtown has never really been downtown. Yeah. Uh, it's the oldest part of Los Angeles. It's the Los Angeles, but you know, it's bad thing that, oh, now downtown is being gentrified. Like how often does that happen in a city where the downtown <laughs> buildings are, are being gentrified? It's like, usually that's the middle and then everything else starts getting cleaned up outside. But downtown LA is a shithole. So it's weird. Uh, that's, that, was the, that was one difficult thing about LA, where I had friends in uh, the valley, up north in the valley, and I had friends in um, whatever you call it, south of LA. What the fuck do you call it? South central LA? No, 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 or... no. Uh, no. Um, the... Fuck, it's escaping me. There's like a general term for like the south of LA. Anyway. 
I had friends in both those places and like to, to meet up with them, you really have to plan this like a week in fucking advance, dude, or two weeks in advance. <laughs> you need to know where we're going to meet, how we're going to get there, how far it is from you, how far it is from me. If there's drinking involved, well, are the Ubers going to be okay? <laughs> and it takes fucking forever to get to places. It takes like 40 minutes for them to meet you and then 40 minutes for you, for them, for you to meet them. And this is all in cars, you know what I mean? Or more, it can take 50 minutes. It's, um, it's crazy. It's really crazy how spread out it is. So that's the biggest difference. How about the people-wise? I heard sometimes more people in New York are, or in New York are a little more uptight. Maybe uh, not as patient while Los Angeles, us at Los Angeles, I'm not going to attempt to say, I can't say, but Los Angelinans uh, are a little more laid back and relaxed. Is there any truth to that assumption? Well, I mean, California definitely has a much more laid back uh, uh, vibe, Um, I guess, because it takes so long to get to places in LA, but also (laughs) weather. I mean, it's just so chill. Like the weather's perfect. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess New York, that's the thing I don't like about New York. New York, uh, people in New York are very uptight. Um, at the same time, uh, people in Los Angeles, uh, while there's a lot of normal people, there it's true when they say that there's like a superficiality, um, which also exists in New York, by the way. But in LA, is so influenced by the uh, film industry and um, social media and whatnot and influencers that it really uh, it is a, part, a huge part of the culture out there. Yeah. And, um, you know, while a lot of people are normal, it, it's certainly, you can't ignore it. It, it does influence um, how people are. That one was cool about the late Anthony Bourdain show, Parts Unknown. There's two LA episodes. It wasn't focused on Hollywood and Starlights. It was about the, the more humble, um, the more humble and uh, quote unquote normal life of Los Angeles in like Koreatown or, um, uh, Echo Park and stuff like that. Maybe not like extravagant as a Beverly Hills or Brentwood, but you know, a more homey field and take pride in being a Los Angeles person, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know what? Like, I still feel like I don't really know LA super well because there's so many different places and it's, um, I mean, it's such a fucking sprawling mess. But I will say, if you do find a neighborhood, maybe a coastal neighborhood or a neighborhood that you are really into and like um, you don't have to commute too far and you got your friends there and you make good money and like everything else is chill, I think that would be an awesome lifestyle. I think it would be a great lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but you have to find that. It's, uh, it's tough. It's, um, it's a mess. It's a huge, sprawling mess. <laughs> But hey, some and people make it, huh? I lived in, yeah, I lived in Hollywood. Ooh. And I noticed, I noticed the difference. Well, Hollywood isn't as nearly, I, I, I hear you, ooh, like <laughs> stars and glamour. Yeah. Oh, it's, so, it's so disgusting, Matt. It's so nasty. No, that's what I did here. I know I, I it's when I would tell like, last October, I saw, I was like, this is what they all are excited about. I mean, it's cool, but. It's cool. It's cool too. Um, you know. I mean, I, I lived right off of Sunset, so it was it was pretty cool. But like, you see some shit too. It's like yeah. dirty and like glamorous at the same time. It's that's what I, that was the thing. Like, I don't know. Um, there's a lot of cool places to go to. There's a lot of cool things to see. But um, anyway, I, I noticed 
New York and LA were totally different when I just came back from uh, to New York from LA. And um, so I got to, I, I was going to go out. I think the World Cup was happening that summer in 2014. Um, and I was meeting with my friends. I went to uh, I got off of Grand Central, I was in Midtown, I saw my friends at a bar there, I watched the game, and then I walked through Central Park over to the Upper West Side, I think, to mm-hmm. see my friends. And I just walked it, it was like a 30 minute walk, 40 minute walk, probably 30, half an hour. And I realized, oh my God, like, it was just a half walk through so many neighborhoods. I went from like, you know, 42nd Street to East, uh, or West uh, 70th or something like that. And yeah. I even walked through Central Park. If I was in Hollywood and I walked in any direction for 30 minutes, I would still be in Hollywood, bro. <laughs> wow. And that, that is a perspective when you put it that way. As you said, New York will go up, pun intended, but um, LA will spread itself out. Wow, wow. Can I ask, who had the better food to you? Nor- New York or LA? New York. Hmm. Definitely New York. By far. To be honest, uh, when I was in LA, I think I mostly just ate tacos. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, man, it's a great I mean, place to have it. Better tacos, LA. Better food in general, New York. Because, like, New York is everything. Definitely. And, like, you can't, like, really survive in New York if you make shitty food. Like, you're not going to last. <laughs> um, in L.A., there's tacos everywhere. <laughs> I don't know. Take advantage of it, man. Take advantage. Yeah. And I have – just read. you ever have a – you ever see the movie Chef? No. Oh, it was a great movie. They just – the, the, he was about an LA chef, like coming of age, find a better place. But he made he had this food truck, made Cuban sandwiches, and it just looked glorious. No doubt. But uh, my last question for you, Marcos, regarding LA and New York, which one do you prefer? If you could stay, if you had all the money in the world, and you could pick one or the other, and live as best of a lifestyle as you can, where are you going? If I had all the money in the world, it would be L.A. because I hate winter. <laughs> um, I fucking hate winter. That is a would, good I enough have, reason. Uh, I would have a house by the coast and I would like chill in my neighborhood, uh, in some coastal neighborhood. That's what I would do. I would love that. But hey. L.A., I really feel like in L.A., you really need to uh, have a specific kind of lifestyle. You need to be surrounded. You need to have a lot of good friends close by. And not super far away, because if they're far away, you're, you're never going to see them unless you fucking plan. You need to have a good commute. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck in traffic for an hour, which I turned down a job because the commute was going to be 55 minutes each way. Now, that's um, something. And that New York, tra- uh, the L.A. traffic, too. That's why. Yeah, that's why. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have great weather. Uh, I want to check out San Diego. Yeah, I hear people love that place who are the few people I know. I'd like to check it out, see what it's like over there, too. Yeah. You know, Marcos. Yes, Matt Brown. <laughs> Can you talk to me about the new... No, just kidding. Let's talk some basketball. Let's talk some hoops. You are a 
Nets fan. You go as far as the New Jersey Nets. And then you stayed with us, with those, with that team, through some hardships. You know, the awful Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett trade. You know, when Joe Johnson was leading you guys. And your loyalty is paying off because you arguably have the best team on paper ever. You have three possible Hall of Fame talented players who are still playing in their prime and are going off a big win yesterday, you must be psyched, man. How does it feel being a Brooklyn Nets fan right now and staying with them through all these years? And now you got essentially the probably if it's not the Lakers, it's you guys who are probably winning this whole thing. How do you feel about it? Well, as far as the hardships go, um, it can't be as bad as you, as what you have it because you're a Knicks fan, like, and you're yeah, fairly young. You're younger than me, so I doubt you remember the Patrick Ewing days at all. So I think you guys had one good season, uh, probably since you've been following it. So we, I would say, go as far as two. Salt all over your wounds, because <laughs> um, as far as hardships go, yeah, there have been a lot of bad years, but like, I don't think we've ever been horrible for over five years or so. <laughs> and when we were really bad, to be honest, I just wouldn't watch because that's just a waste of fucking time. Like, why would you watch? If your team sucks, why would you watch them? Like, why would you go to games? You're giving them money and they suck. Like, don't give them money and then they'll get their act together and then you can pay them. But um, anyway, enough about the Knicks. I don't know why people go to those games. Uh, New York should just boycott the Knicks in general. But anyway. Um, we'll have a rebuttal to that. I'm... Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm not basking in this uh, newly acquired super team. I'm not basking in this, like, glory or anything like that because um, I have a very sober kind of opinion towards it because um, it does kind of remind me of, uh, like you said, the Kevin Garnett-Paul Pierce trade where we acquired Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Jason Terry for a lot of uh, first-round draft picks. Um, yeah, like four uh, or five years. Yeah, it's not good to give up so many draft picks, as I've learned. Those um, picks turn into like Jason Tatum and and you know, uh, yeah, and even like guys um, like that. Even the Terry Gerald Wallace in New Jersey, uh, the the New York uh, the the New Jersey Nets require, uh, acquired Gerald Wallace uh, <laughs> for a first round pick, and that first round pick ended up being Damian Lillard too. Bum, 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 bum. So. Um, uh, another similarity between that trade and now is that uh, we have a Hall of Fame, one of the greatest point guards all time as a rookie head coach. We have Jason Kidd then, we have Steve Nash now. Yeah, right. The difference is, and it's a huge difference, it, the, we didn't acquire a washed up uh, Kevin Garnett who was like on his last legs. Um, I didn't even care at that point. Or Paul Pierce, who was also kind of well past his prime. Uh, Garnett was horrible then, man. It was it was so painful to watch him take like mid range twos and sink up uh, <laughs> them all the time. It was so sad. It was like because Kevin Garnett was so terrifying for so long, and then he's just a shadow of himself on your team. It's like, oh man, this is cool, but it's not. Like now we have fucking. We easily have maybe, arguably, two of the top three greatest scorers in the league. I think Steph Curry is also in the top three. 
scorers. I mean, like people who can like flat out score. Yeah, and you're talking about Harden and KD specifically. Yes, because, you know, LeBron, I can't put him in the top three because even though he's the best, he's also a playmaker, he's a defender, he, yeah. he's so much. Um, but just flat out scores, Harden and KD are probably two of the top three. Right. So, I mean, they look good. Um, I'm, but I'm, I'm very sober. I, I try to, I try to view it in a very sober lens. Mm-hmm. Um, pun intended. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't like the, I didn't like the Harden trade when it first happened, to be honest. Um, I didn't like that we gave up Jared Allen. I didn't like that we gave up Karis LeVert, mm-hmm. uh, Jared Allen, especially in, especially the draft picks too. Uh, I was actually mad when when we acquired them. Actually, you you're the first person to let me know. I was yes. out in the market <laughs> on a Wednesday. I was in Manhattan, or I think it was I was either in the Bronx or Harlem visiting my accounts. And then all of a sudden, I got this, and I was like, "Yo, Matt, yo, stop talking about it, man. I I, just <laughs> I need to process this." And I hated it. And then I watched Harden play the first game for us, and my mind just totally it it I I just changed my mind totally because yeah. i saw that he's a playmaker he can actually fucking pass and he's on a team he actually wants to play for too you know i, I it seems that a lot of net fans at first initially felt like you they were upset they were angry they felt their future well their chance at acquiring more plays for a great future and you know sean mark's preaching about oh this is going to be the culture uh working our way up you know getting homegrown guys and then just throw that all out the window and uh he lost a lot of first round draft picks but i have to ask marcos is at least one championship worth it if you for everything you gave up for harden but you get at least one nba finals win or do you 100%. need multiple ones 100 percent. no one one is fine one is um, we don't have any NBA championships. We have two ABA championships. Yep. When they were in Long Island. One of one of our fraternity brothers, whose uh, name I won't uh, mention, but his uh, last name rhymes with Lizzo. <laughs> he laughed at me because he was like, "Hey, when's the last time the the, the Nets won a, an NBA championship?" And I'm like, "They haven't won any." And he starts laughing at me. I'm like, "Dude." Since the Nets have joined the NBA in 1977, the Knicks don't have any NBA championships. You're right. It's a, a frustrating so time. Championships are more recent than the Knicks <laughs> to NBA championships. You know, Speaking just of which, dip- I have a Dr. J bobblehead right here. Oh, greatest net of all time, technically. Ever. And I mean, even though they played a Long Island net, you know, they were the New York Nets, but played in Long Island. But, you know, from mountain around, he he's the best net ever. And yeah, just to defend my point of being the Knicks, it's the same as you. I mean, reckon you didn't have to suffer as long as I have and still suffering. There's only we only made two playoff. We only made the playoffs twice in the mellow years. And the first time we got swept and the second time ran into the Pacers of Roy Hibbard. It's been a. Uh, embarrassing it's a genuine it's a long time it's just a genuine (laughs) flaw of mine but it's just like for you stick by it someday someday they're going to be good again i hope i can't my goal my rule is don't complain because the uh, chicago cubs had to wait 108 years for a championship literally nobody saw it in both (laughs) games not that i know of and i hope it's not that long but i don't know matt hopefully build a core uh have players come here what? The, yep. 128 years, that's over a lifetime. 108 years, but yeah, you're right. So I, that's what like, I said. I hope it's at that. 108 years for the no. next to an NBA championship. You will wait that long. 
I'm just waiting until the day comes whenever it's meant to be, you know, who knows? There was a time when the Knicks were uh, pretty ass from the late seventies and eighties and people waited till the nineties and then they almost had it. Uh, so I don't know. Is it, we have to wait every, uh, well, no, that would be, we're, we're, it's, we're now pushing three decades, no, four, you know decades, four decades actually now, if you really think about it, you know, um, but if it's, uh, it's difficult, but I'm just waiting for the day to make it worth it. And the, you know, you know, you know, as a net fan, I think you could agree that New York as a whole, this area would be pretty exciting if um, the Knicks were good. And they say like in the nineties, that's all people talked about was how good the Knicks were. The Yankees won. I'm sure you're talking about good things too, Matt. <laughs> right. But you know, it's, it's the importance of staying loyal, you know? Hmm? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's just bad. It's nice that Julius Randle's playing well, but um, I watched you quickly uh, too. I watched Best your defense in the league, technically. I watched your episode with uh, with that with that charming artist chef uh, Gabriel <laughs> Mills. Yes, yes, yes. And I agreed with him there. He, you guys also spoke about the Knicks. The, the Knicks are a trophy to not even mediocrity. I guess mediocrity, just to be nice. Um, they just <laughs> suck. They have the worst owner in all of sports. He's a man, baby. Uh, they're just incompetent. It's, yeah. it's sad. And it's sad that they represent New York. Um, and it's sad that they're the number one market. Like, they're, they're the highest valued team in the NBA, and they can't yeah. make it work. That's so pathetic. Like, that's so fucking sad. You're right. It is, but who knows? Seems that Coach Thibs that these players like playing for him. Manuel quickly yeah, play something. At least, at least you guys, you guys have that. At least there's no, um, yeah, I don't know. no saltiness. Uh, RJ is actually playing much better. Uh, like I said, quickly's good. Randall, who knows? Probably Randall will get traded in the deadline. Maybe that's his motivation to do well, so he can play for a playoff contender. But we hey, he might even come to Brooklyn. You might even go uh, to Brooklyn. Bar. What? Uh, I, I can't talk about the Knicks anymore. I'm, I'm going to bark. <laughs> it just make me sick. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I, just my last thing of the – isn't it true that James Dolan forced himself to open for the uh, Eagles in Madison Square Garden? I, I don't know if that's true, but I totally believe it. Yeah, he's got like a <laughs> blues band, and he pays, he pays all the guys in his band. He like – you like imagine that like you have a play date and like you're like a little kid and you're such a lame ass kid that you need to pay kids to play with you that's basically what he does he's like hey i'm gonna stay in a blues band please i'll pay you guys please it's, just, it's sad he's he's paying for friends um that's that that is horrifying man you know just speaking of bands real quick marcos you and i love rock and roll music you Play rock and roll music when you can. You know how to play the bass guitar. You have the Beatles in the background. Um, do you know how to play regular guitar too? Oh, I, I mostly play. Uh, I mostly play guitar. Um, okay, so you do yeah, play. A lot, of, a lot of people think. Uh, a lot of people think I'm a bass player because I guess my my uh, my mm. picture on social media, my default picture. Or, <laughs> exactly. Uh, my profile picture was me playing a bass, so everyone assumes I'm a bass player. No, it's just a good picture of me where I happen to play bass for my. Uh, really good friends band. Uh, we were in a band called Gorgeous Mornings, and I was the bass player. Now that's a cool name. 
Yeah, it, it, it is kind of cool. A lot of my friends didn't like it, though. Like, a lot of my metal friends or, like, my hard rock fans. <laughs> um, my hard rock uh, friends who I ended up making uh, my own band with, they thought, they thought the name was lame, but, like, it's a beautiful name, Gorgeous Mornings. What's your favorite part about playing rock music? Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, this is like, I don't know. <laughs> um, sorry, I don't know how to answer that. Um, it feels good. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, um, it just feels, hey, that's your answer. It, yeah, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, there's like a certain energy about it. Actually, I'll, I'll, I'll actually answer this. I'll, I'll actually take the, the question seriously because it was a real question. I'm sorry. I just <laughs> no worries. Um, I enjoy playing music in general uh, with, with other people because there's like a, a certain synergy where um, I don't play music that much anymore because I, I don't, I'm not really uh, friends with the same people I was a couple of years ago that we would always jam with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really enjoy getting uh, different energies and different people combine and actually collaborating and creating a synergy where the parts are um, equal uh, or greater whole. And it's just like very beautiful and it's like so unique. Everyone adds like their own like little thing. Um, There's nothing better than that. It's just really beautiful. And especially when like you all have a good sense of humor, like we did in my group and um, yeah, Unfortunately, I'm not really, uh, I don't really hang out with those guys anymore, but we, we had a band called Harry Chronic Jr. <laughs> you with the great band names. I love it. But yeah, I, I, I admire that. It's, it's a team effort and just create an entertaining and, you know, actual musicianship to it as well and instrumentation. It's just so much fun. And that's why it's nice to see that, you know, obviously in the pre-COVID world, and I, I think eventually, once this all pans out, that you can... Uh, that people still love going to see rock music live in particular. And that's what I particularly go for is I love live albums. I love looking at like concerts feels like, I don't know, rage against the machine, Woodstock 99 or, yeah. like, or, uh, or red hot chili peppers. And Slaying Castle. yeah, Slaying Castle is a good one. I just love that type of energy. And it, it's just, I really- love the Bonnaroo. how was, it was okay. that? It was okay. I went to by myself. Cause none of my friends wanted to go with me. So uh, on this on this site, I, I I've met a girl who's also going to Bonnaroo from Westchester. It's like um, somebody told me about this website where you can carpool specifically for other people going to the same festival. So it was rad. She was like a little bit older than me. She was like uh, worked in some sort of medical field. She rented like a minivan just to go down there. She had everything set up. She had a fucking canopy tent. She had a fucking fridge, like a, a cooler that you could plug into the car. Uh, so you didn't need ice all the time. She had everything. So I lucked out. Um, and she just treated you like that? How about that? Yeah, well, because she also, she didn't want to drive the whole thing. She was also driving herself. Like, she was also going alone. So I just, like, met this, this um, I met this chick going down there. And um, I was going alone. She was going alone. And we shared the canopy tents. I didn't have anything, Matt. I just wanted to go. Um, I just really wanted to go. I wanted to see... The Chili Peppers, I want to see you too. I want to see you, Chance the Rapper. You saw all those see, guys? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to see all those people. So, uh, and I wanted to go to Tennessee. So, yeah, I didn't bring anything. I just brought like a sleeping bag and a tent and like a, a, a backpack full of clothes. She was like, whoa, you're so unprepared. Really? Like when we stopped at Walmart, she was like, no, you need to get an inflatable mattress. A sleeping bag isn't going to cut it. You need to get a chair. You need to get this. Like uh, it worked out. And plus she also had like a butane little grill. So we've made eggs. Wow. That, that's an awesome story. Are you still in touch with this person? No. <laughs> no, okay. No, she was cool, but she wasn't that cool. <laughs> <laughs> My weekend with whoever. That sounds like a movie, Marco. Well, we had different tents, bro. Yeah, yeah, of course. But, you know, that's a... And she drove you back and everything, so you were just like, so long. No, 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 no. She, she didn't drive me back. Um, I actually stayed because uh, in order to get... To, um, <laughs> This was like four years ago. I didn't have as much money as I do now. So in, in order to uh, go to Bonnaroo for free, I volunteered to work uh, for two days afterwards, cleaning the place up with a bunch of other kids. Really? So done, yeah, I lived in a tent for an entire week. The festival was four days. Uh, the Monday, we took a break. Uh, we all just got together. We didn't do anything. We just like, uh, you know, we had to relax after the long festival. And then Tuesday and Wednesday, we all cleaned up trash and whatnot. Um, and I met some people. I, I'm still in touch with a lot of people there. I met a lot of cool kids. We all like uh, had our tents in the same place. And a lot of people met, um, a lot of people leave beer uh, behind because like, you know, the next day they, they don't want it or whatever. So we just grab all the beer. We'd all put in a communal cooler and we'd all just chill by the campfire uh, after cleaning all day. Now that's an awesome story. Now people also left behind drugs, and that's when I oh. heard, that's when I realized the term ground scoring. Uh, ground scoring is when <laughs> I guess you're volunteering at a festival and you're looking for for drugs to pick up that people leave behind. And they so, just um, this one girl thought she found Molly, and I learned a lot about drugs, I guess, because apparently this one dude was like, "No, it's not Molly." <laughs> And everyone was like, oh, oh, yeah. Like Breaking Bad. Oh, no, I guess we shouldn't touch it. And I'm sure some girl, I'm sure that girl still pocketed it. She's like, oh, no, I guess I'll leave it here. Fuck it. There was a couple of weird kids uh, in that group, man. Um, man, I, I didn't even... I didn't even know that was a thing that festivals do. You could go for free, but you have to clean up after. And, like, they make sure you don't, like, escape or anything. Like, okay, see you later, guys. Bounce. That's why there's a deposit. You you put down a deposit, and if you escape, they don't give it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the company. <laughs> I just can't imagine what a dickhead move that would be. <laughs> just run away like that. Oh, man. <laughs> Um, wow. Yeah, I think uh, the company is called Clean Vibes. It's a third-party company, and they, they you know, they, they help clean festivals. So they do like yeah. Coachella and like Austin yeah, City uh, Music Fest, all, South by Southwest, all, all those. the big ones. Yeah, um, it was pretty cool. And afterwards, I stayed in Nashville for like three days. I went to Nashville, and at the time of my life, man. Oh man, yeah. what 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 made Nashville the best time of your life? Well, there's live music everywhere. Drinks are cheap. And um, there's so many beautiful women. Mm-hmm. And everybody was so nice, Matt. Like, as a New Yorker, as a Northeastern person, as a liberal, as a Democrat, I always kind of, like, look down on Southerners because I just assumed that they were retarded <laughs> and, like, stupid and that they had sex with their family members. I'm exaggerating, of course. I don't actually think that. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But, but when I went down there, I was like, oh, my God. Everyone here is so nice. And then I went back to New York where everyone's not nice. 
Wow, and that's I'm kidding. That uh, back then I don't use dating apps anymore. But back then I did. I like I was on Bumble, like in the airport, about to like you know go back to New York. <laughs> and I was swiping for fun. I swear to God, I swiped with like the first five people on there. I was like, what? Well, I shouldn't say people. I should just say girls. Yeah, but, you know, people in general. They are people. Anyway, um, I was like, why am I leaving? There's so many beautiful women here, and everybody's so nice. And it's like this is a really fun city. So I don't know. So did you, and you wound up staying just from that because of Bumble matches? No, 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 no. That was the day I was leaving. That was oh, after. Oh, okay, okay. I was, I see. That's, that was after I was partying on, uh, on, on Broadway in Nashville for, for three days. It was great. Man, I'm fascinated by your life. You know how to really live your best life and well, just you know going to these places and stuff. A lot of people limit themselves. They really do. But like, you know, you have two feet, you have a mind. You have, maybe you have a car and you have gas in your tank. Why not? You know, why not spend a little money and have something that like, you know, you grow from? Why not? Um, you know, just like me, I, well, you know, I guess it was easier for me because I speak Spanish and um, I'm a Spanish citizen, dual citizen. And, you know, but I was like, why not? Uh, why wouldn't I live in Spain for a little bit, even if it was a really shitty hotel job um, and I didn't know anybody? Um, and, you know, I even went to Bonnaroo alone because like you can't wait for people to come with you you can't wait for your friends to say okay if you want to do something you just have to do it um if if, if i needed a friend to do everything i wanted to do i i wouldn't do as much cool shit as i've done man marcos that is i really appreciate that very profound and just just awesome words to live by thank you for it i'm, I'm definitely keeping the sound bite that's that's really sweet and even inspiring. I, uh, I'm trying to do that myself more. That's why I do my endeavors and this podcast and stuff. And this stuff is to remember that we only have one life to live. Might as well make the most of it. Memories over money is my motto. Yes, but you want to make both. Oh yeah, of course. But you, you know, know, like more memories you can make. Yeah. And, even more for sure. Yeah. I've, I've been quite bohemian in my past. And now I really like, I'm kind of into making money. That's why I don't play music as much. Cause I was just like, you know, I was just smoking pot with my friends in my basement. And um, it was great. It was the time of my life. And I loved Harry Crime Jr. And I love those guys. You know, we've been killing it for an hour. There's just one more thing I want to do with you before we say goodbye. It is known as the Proust Questionnaire. And what it is, is that we... Just answer 10 short but deep questions, and I particularly am excited for what Marcos has to say about these questions. You ready? Let's do it. My first question, Marcos, what is your favorite word? The, the, no, you don't have one, or is that your favorite word not applicable? I don't know a favorite word. Okay, so your favorite word is not applicable. No. <laughs> okay, so question one, no answer. What is your least favorite word? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Loser, yeah. money. Next question. Chimp. <laughs> Next question. Okay, what turns you on in this world? And this is more of a life question. It's not necessarily a sexual question, but like what turned you on, whether it's laughter or being around the people you love or, you know, playing music. What turns you on in this world? What Sex. brings you so much joy? Sex. Yeah. <laughs> All <Just> right. <laughs> hey, 
I think a lot of people would agree with you with that, no matter what their orientation is. So having said that, <laughs> what is your least favorite word? You already asked me that. No. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. What turns you off in this world, Marcos? Oh, man. Um, I don't like bad vibes. I don't like uh, super aggressive people. Uh, that try to dominate uh, conversations. I don't like. Um, I don't like um, over judgment when um, people, you know, think that they have somebody else or something. I'll figure it out. I hate all that shit. I hate. Uh, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, hear that. I hear you, my man. What sound or noise do you love, Marcos? Hmm. So those of you who can't see, Marcus is getting something for those of you who can't see, but all right. What's up? No, that's it. <laughs> Just the strum of a guitar. Yeah. I love it. I love it. What is your what sound or noise do you hate? Um complaints. Bachata music, emo, screamo, <laughs> screamo music. <laughs> um, yeah. All right, all right. Marcos, what is your favorite curse word? Well, fuck is the most versatile word in the English language. <laughs> it really is. I guess no, that's not my favorite word, but. I do appreciate its versatility. You can add it in almost any sentence. You really fucking can, man. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt, Marcos? Um, I wish I could be a rock and roller, but there's no money in that. <laughs> so I have to settle for this. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe a financier, maybe a, a finance guy. Maybe. <laughs> They'll make a bunch of money on Nokia and Blackberry. Oh, oh this man. Might be, actually, this might be current when it airs or it might not be. But I know the, the GameStop thing is like going on right now. Yeah, nice. exactly. The, uh, the people fighting the system showing how corrupt it is in the world of stocks. And yeah. Oh, mama mia. Yeah, fuck those guys. Tell me about it, man. Seriously. It'd be fun to be one. <laughs> what profession would you not like to do, Marcos? Ooh. I don't want to get my hands dirty. <laughs> All right. No worries. No worries. And my final question, Marcos, before we have some final words. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? My dude, um, Brittany Murphy and Marilyn Monroe are waiting for you in your suite. <laughs> oh, man. Classic. What an answer. What an answer, man. What an answer. Well, Marcos, I've had a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. Lots of laughs. 
lots of insight and lots of great vibes. I thank you for taking the time to come on and I'd love to hear some of those um, other bohemian stories and other, and all the, all the other cool places you have gone and I can share you mine as well. But uh, is there anything else you have to say before we uh, sign off? That's about it, my dude. That's about it. Thank you for having me. Um, you know, I was worried that it was going to be unfocused, uh, but then I realized that's what podcasts are and that's what I am. So exactly. uh, a pleasure to rant and just flow about everything, dude. That's why I say it's not a productive interview. It's a productive conversation. And uh, we did everything. We did everything with that and some more. So, Marcos, you're the man. I appreciate you so much. And I'll talk to you really soon, my guy. Thank you so much, brother. Thank you, Matt Brown. Well, how about that? Because Marcos was incredible. Absolutely incredible. What a great job. What great stories. What great vibes. Thank you, Marcos, for an incredible appearance. Again, just some reminders. If you want all exclusive content regarding the Productive Conversations podcast, go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com to check out all exclusive content from all our podcasts, all our videos, my blogs, my resume, everything Productive Conversations Podcast is right there, including our merchandise store. So again, check out ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com and including merchandise. To get exclusive merchandise on the Productive Conversations Podcast store, thanks to our friends at Zazzle, either go to the episode description, click the link to our store, and it'll send you right to our page at Zazzle to get exclusive Productive Conversations merchandise from amazing clothes, incredible bags, awesome office supplies, great stationary items. There's something for everybody through our store at Zazzle, and we thank our friends at Zazzle for making it possible. So either go to the episode description, click the link to our store, or, or go to ProductiveConversationsPodcast.com slash merchandise and check out all the great stuff we have. All merchandise is amazing, and make sure you get your exclusive Productive Conversations podcast merchandise. And last but not least, don't forget, if you want 15% off all your exclusive merchandise, go to checkout, type in promo code FEBRUARYSHOP, and get 15% off all your exclusive Productive Conversations podcast merchandise. And don't forget to follow us on social media. Check out our Instagram page at Productive Conversations Podcast. Check out our Twitter at ProdConvoPod, and check our TikTok at Productive Conversations. Again, for our amazing content on all social media platforms, go to our Instagram page at Productive Conversations Podcast. Go to our Twitter page at Prod Convo Pod. And go to our TikTok at Productive Conversations. Yes, we are here. Yes, we are there. Yes, we are making an impact. Also, don't forget to check out the Tweet Cap with Ryan Page every Friday on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. Don't forget to check out our podcast, the Productive Conversations Podcast, on all podcasting platforms and YouTube. Don't forget to like it, subscribe, and leave a review. Also, I'm going to be on the Hoop Therapy Podcast very soon with my boys Danny Chaps and Kayshawn Holloway. We talked about hoops, and I'm awaiting the big drop, and I will let you know once that is being released either on the show or the various social media platforms. So that's going to be great. And I'm also going to be on the Word for Word podcast with my buddies Dolo Ren and Bars. That is going to be on this Saturday, the 20th of February at 8 p.m. on Facebook. Don't forget to check out my big appearance there. So with all of that, I want to thank again my amazing guests, 
Marcos Lopez for joining me. I cannot thank you enough. We are back here this Monday, the 22nd of February, with the incredible Dana Earl talking about physical therapy, actors, football, and a lot of other great things. And with all of that... You are the greatest listeners in the world. You are the greatest fans in the world. And I thank you for tuning in to, to the Productive Conversations podcast every week. This isn't possible without you. I love and appreciate every single one of you. So my name is Matt Brown. I'm the host of the Productive Conversations podcast. Good night. Good luck. And I will see you all very, very soon. Now go have an amazing weekend. I dare you to. I sincerely dare you to. Goodbye, everybody, and I hope you have an amazing weekend. Peace.